This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. You probably know of startup pitch competitions, even if it's just that you've watched Shark Tank on TV. Typically, startups pitch to a panel of investors, corporate partners, and exited founders. But have you ever wondered what would happen if the roles were reversed? You're about to hear the reverse pitch from Voyager HQ's Travel Disruption Summit, the annual symposium for travel leaders and innovators, where heads of leading corporate innovation programs at travel brands share their company's approach to making a partnership work between a startup and an enterprise company. You're listening to Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the travel and hospitality industry. The pitching enterprise companies will be timed for five minutes, and then there will be five minutes of Q&A. So um, the Q&A will be coming from the startups who will be seated in this area, but you can also, again, go to slido.com, hashtag TDS2019, and also submit questions that the startups can choose to uh, ask the enterprise company as well. So those will show up here, and we'll be able to pull those uh, live. I have one other exciting piece of news that I did not get to announce this morning, uh, but I'm absolutely thrilled to say. Uh, as Werner said in our kickoff earlier, we just now expanded into San Francisco, Austin, and Boston with our Dot Events series and have some incredible uh, directors who are running those chapters with us. They're actually, most of them are here today. You'll be meeting some of them. Um, but the... Extra exciting thing is that we have another one coming that I'd like to announce, which is uh, in partnership with JetBlue Technology Ventures. Uh, Voyager HQ Dot Events will be now expanding to London uh, in September. So we're very, very excited about this. <laughs> so thank you all for your support. And if you're interested in bringing Voyager to your city, please talk to me about it. If you happen to do business in London or want to support in any way, We'd be more than happy to talk about that. Uh, we've got a good four months to make some really great things happen. So um, without further ado, I'm going to invite up all of our, uh, all of our, it's so confusing, all of our startup panelists. If you guys can come on, come on up, we have Alex from ICM Hub. Give a round of applause for walking up, guys. Come on up, we got Ivana from Travel All the Park. <laughs> we have... Susan from Journey, <laughs> and we have Eric from Trill, now Lonely Planet. Should be fun. Okay, how are we feeling? Great. Feeling Great. good. Fantastic. All right, awesome. Okay, cool. And I'd like to invite to the stage our first very brave soul who is going to pitch Amadeus Corporate Innovation and their startup program, Elise. Give her a round of applause. Well, thank you. Brave soul. I like that. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello. So, hi, everyone. As uh, John mentioned, my name is Alex Arguez. I'm here to talk to you a bit about the Amadeus for Startups program. It's a program we're very excited about. But I just realized I don't have a clicker or anything. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See how the things work? Okay. So, <laughs> now I'm off target. Okay, so here we go. So, first, what I want to tell you about, you see a bit about Amadeus in the background, but I'm not going to really talk about that. What I want to talk to you about is why we created Amadeus for Startups. I was at a Focusrite conference, and I'm sure many of you have attended Focusrite. And, sorry? Oh, okay. <laughs> 
And, um, and I got approached by someone who was a startup, and they started yelling at me, saying that, you know, they work with Amadeus, but they don't get the help they need. They don't understand what they need to do because they're fairly new to... Something happened. I did not touch anything. Can you go back? Sorry, guys. Okay. They said that they're not getting the help they need. They don't have the expertise that they require. So we started to think about this, and we started to work with them a lot more in terms of knowledge about the online segment, what it would actually take for a startup to start selling travel online. And we recognized the fact that there was quite a need there. So we decided to say, okay, what do we need to do here? So if we think about it, what do startups need? What are they telling us that they need? Well, it's pretty simple, right? We've got the industry knowledge because, let's face it, selling travel is not easy. They're always looking for connections to advisors and mentors. They need technology because they need to build their systems on something. Service and support becomes critical because they need to be able to count on someone that's going to help them. They want to, of course, gain traction and scale. And again, a global footprint. This, might, this, second, this last one is quite interesting because you might think a startup might start slow and small. But in actuality, we have a lot of startups that want to grow. So when we look at what Amadeus can do to help, we have expertise. Our team of Amadeus for Startups has a combined of over 100 years of experience in the travel industry and in the online space. In terms of technology, we have the best technology out there. We firmly believe that, and we're there to help our startups grow, whether it's building, you know, uh, systems that are going to distribute travel or actually building complementary systems to our systems. Reach. I think you saw before our reach in terms of the providers we have, but you also heard Stefan on stage in terms of our global footprint. And then, of course, funding. We have an arm that takes care of funding for startups and helps them grow in that area as well. So when you meet the team, this is the team. Um, of course, myself, Carrie Zile, who is the head of Amadeus for Startups, and you'll see her on the next panel. Uh, and what's really cool about this group is that we started this system basically bootstrapped. We were a startup within Amadeus. We had no budget. We had nothing. We saw a need and we decided to start this. And since then, we've grown the program to be quite successful. We've got different components to the program. We've got the support and advisory. We have self-service APIs that make it very easy for you to develop to Amadeus. We've got the ventures arm that actually does investments in startups that are complementary to Amadeus's core business. And then we have Explore, which actually helps startups connect with other partners and actually go through pilot programs. So when you look at what we've done so far and what we've accomplished, we've had 120 partners go through the startup program to date. You can see some of the names there. Route Happy, that was acquired by ATPCO, was actually one of our first startups to go through the system, so we're really excited about that. And when you look at the other side of it, we support over 48% of online travel globally. So we definitely have the reach to help these startups. And that's it. I talked really fast. That is Amadeus for Startups. Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so as a startup, I would have a question. How easy is it to join Amadeus for Startups? Are there some criteria? There, there's definitely some criteria. We want to make sure that you guys have, a, as a startup, that you have a business plan in place, that you have basically what it would take to be successful. You might have a technology team or a leadership team that really makes sense, uh, that you have a business plan that can actually be put into place uh, in terms of a viable, a viable business plan. So there is some criteria, but really, in essence, since if we believe that you're a good match, you're in the program, and we're going to do everything we help we can to help you grow. I think somebody mentioned it earlier that we're really looking at the next startup that's going to be the next big thing. That's our goal, is to help you become the next big thing. 
So you were saying that you started without a actual budget. So now you have mentors and helping all of the other startups. So how you actually accomplished to to get all uh, to say badly all the money together to support? So as we started the program, it started to expand. So when we started, it was just the advisory and technology section of it. Then we expanded into ventures and explorers. So that budget didn't exist on the technology and advisor portion. Obviously, when it came to ventures, there was a budget there that came to be. But in essence, what we did was we really started at the core. And I, I think Werner had mentioned before being bootstrapped. We were definitely bootstrapped. So we did it with minimal budget. We looked to see who we could partner with and obviously cut deals in those partnerships so that as we had no budget. So we really looked to see what we could do to really grow the ecosystem for the startups. Uh, since then, we, we I think net in terms of revenue out of the Amadeus for Startups program, over a million dollars in revenue each year from that program. So we've actually now got a budget to have a dedicated team. Before, we did not even have a dedicated team. Is there a budget uh, for the startups to join your program? Is there some sort of fee applied to it? Or so uh, it all depends on the type of startup that's joining in. If it's a startup that's going to be distributing uh, travel, we actually bring down the barriers in terms of the commercial significantly. We have a special commercial package for startups where we really look to see that there's not a lot of upfront outlay because we understand that upfront money is very difficult. And we really base it on what sort of commitment you can do back to Amadeus because, again, we want to help you grow. So there is, there's some fees, but they come later on in terms of using the technology. But upfront, we really try to minimize that as much as possible. Um, this sounds great. Uh, having looked at Sabre's API and, and their integration a few years ago and just the amount of work that would have required our engineering team to implement, we just said no. And also the upfront fees were a complete non-starter for us. Um, you know, I'm curious to know sort of what's the level of transparency around um, you know, sharing what that fee structure is like or being able to say, hey, uh, you know, if we do waive some of that fee structure up front, then we require you to have X amount of traffic. I've seen a lot of these different Yes, which can be obviously you know a non-starter for an early stage startup that's just getting off right. The so I mean, the the reason I can't be very transparent on the fees is because it kind of depends on what products you end up purchasing from Amadeus as part of the startups. So basically, what we do is, as I said, there is a small commitment you need to do. So we're looking at that in, you know, in general, Amadeus works on segments, right? So the more bookings that are made, the more money everyone makes, right? So we look at a commitment of a thousand segments in year one. A thousand segments is very minimal. If you're able to accomplish a thousand segments, then all of the upfront fees are waived for the year one. The upfront fees are waived, so you don't have to pay those because they're just upfront fees. Um, if you do not, we prorate that. But I think really to date what we've done is we haven't actually implemented that chargeback in any cases because, again, we want to see them be successful. We're growing as a startup as well in the startup program, so we continue to modify how we work on the, on the commercials for the program. Some of the questions from the audience, um, where is the program based? Do you go after a specific market or you're looking for everyone No, globally? so that's actually a great question. So originally the program started here in North America. We have since had the opportunity to expand it globally. So really basically wherever Amadeus is based, there's part of the program that's available to them. So based on that, if I apply for the uh, Amadeus starter program in North America, uh, can I use as well these segments from uh, Europe? Uh, say that again, I'm sorry? So if I apply for uh, for the program Amadeus for Startups North America, uh -huh. can I use the data from Europe as well? Because yeah, absolutely. What we do is depending on where you're located is where we put you in touch with the right people. So you can definitely come to us and then we'll route you. If Let's say you're, you're, you contact us because you hear from us here in North America, but you're actually based in Spain. We'll put you in touch with the people in Spain so that you can get the support at the same time zone, et cetera, that you're in. 
And I will get the same conditions as, as here. Yes, we're trying to normalize everything in terms of what the commercial offering is for the package, for the startup program. I'm also curious, what's your definition of a startup? Because I noticed some of the That's companies that question. were That's listed were really question. big, right? Lola maybe <laughs> early started, but founded by Paul English, right? But it was a startup. We, but it was a startup, right? So, um, and actually, it's, it's a great question. So, basically, what we do is we look at a company that is new to travel and or or new to selling travel online, right? So, if you think about it that way, it could be an established company that's been selling travel in a traditional mechanism for quite some time, but they really want to branch out now into this new world of selling travel online. In that case, we would consider them a startup because that's still a brand new startup. They might not need the funding, but they're still going to need the expertise and the understanding of what it is like to transact, to transact travel online. So they may use a portion of the program and not all of it. We really look to see who is out there that could use the assistance that we provide in terms of the knowledge of the segment and the knowledge of the space itself. Great. This is helpful. This is generally helpful when you're trying to present something. Um, thank you, Elise. Uh, next up, I'd like to invite Gabe from American Express Global Business Traveler. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Shorter, right? I know, that was great. That was awesome. <laughs> How's everyone doing? So we're going to talk a little bit about building a better ecosystem for business travelers. And to us, it's not just a marketing term. It's a way of having a technological foundation, the business processes, and corporate strategy to support growth and innovation throughout the business travel ecosystem. I'm Gabriel Ayash. I'm a director of our new business ventures team. We're responsible for finding new, uh, new investment ideas, finding new partnerships, and generally interacting with the startup community, making sure we know what's happening with, the, uh, with, with emerging technologies. We'll work with startups. We'll kind of build that relationship to make sure that they'll be brought into our organization. So a little bit about GBT. We're a 50% owned joint venture by American Express. It was created five years ago with the purpose to transform our business and transform the industry. We're in 140 countries. We have 17,000 employees and have about 100 years experience in the uh, corporate travel space. For us, we view that as a core asset to driving innovation. So while people mainly think about innovation as being nimble, you know, our size, our position in, uh, the, in the industry means that we can drive an innovation agenda uh, in, the, in the travel industry and across the ecosystem. Many of you know that travel and business travel has been historically slow to innovate. Uh, if you weren't, you probably wouldn't be sitting here today. <laughs> And we know that's true. We know it's fragmented. We know you have airlines, hotels, grand transportation providers, GDSs, ancillary providers, all vying for that share of the, of the business travel value pie. And we know it's tough, but we know there's a lot of institutional inertia and a lot of fragmentation and old technology. What we found is that to be able to, to build on this, to be able to improve on this, it requires creativity, it requires determination, it requires focus. So what we've done is we've created a core, te a core technology platform. That's really the foundational start to do any sort of innovation directly with GBT and with our customers. So what this includes is a traveler profile, which is all our traveler information, their interactions, their preferences, their history, right? So we know how someone wants to engage with our customers is the travel content, a single place to aggregate all our different GDS and non-GDS content, as well as any new content sources that haven't existed today. And finally, a traveler data store, which is all
all the trips, all the trip history, people's policy, information about a uh, traveler's client, right? Because the corporate information is just as important about the information as the traveler. To put it into a context, we know 100% all the information about, info about travelers that call into us, that email us, right? We know generally why they're traveling, where they're traveling to, and who they're traveling for. So with that, you can do a lot. And this has enabled us Right? It has enabled us to do a lot at our company. We enable us with some acquisitions. Right? We've done the KDS acquisition of the uh, online of Neo Booking Tool and Expense back in 2016, plus the HRG acquisition. But more importantly, it's enabled us to work with startups in a way that works for everyone. Sometimes we buy, sometimes we build, sometimes we partner. The reality is it's usually a hybrid of all three. If we take something like our uh, Air Reshop product, we partnered with a company called Yapta. They have a product that after you buy a ticket, it goes and it'll continually search for price drops and notify you uh, on when, when something happens. That's, that's what's available today. What we did to work with them is we put a layer of automation on top of it to make sure that we can reticket that, we can drive an invoice, and ensure about 98% of the time that our customers have the same seat they had before. What that means is our customers versus other TMC customers don't have that ability, have saved more money and have, been higher, uh, have had higher satisfaction. Other times we look at partnerships. And late last year we announced a partnership with Lola with the purpose of accessing a market on the smaller end of the, uh, of the scale that has been traditionally difficult to access. When we look at a partnership, we kind of take an approach to a marriage. Uh, you're gonna be spending a lot of time with these people. It took us about a year just working together before we had anything inked in a, uh, in a contract. And that year was filled with the typical legal, commercial, compliance hurdles that you'd expect. But what we found, what we found the most important thing in the, in the approach we take is we look at the teams. We look at people, do we want to sit with them every single day and work with them? Do we want to be able to solve problems with them? To spend the time making whatever it is we're trying to do, adding that value and adding that competitive advantage. So that's generally our approach. We've built this foundational piece that allows integrations, allows integrations to happen more quickly after acquisitions, and really puts us in a good position as we look to grow past 2019. Is there a specific stage in the startup life cycle that you're looking to partner with? Is there a criteria or something that you guys look for? No, we, we look at uh, what's available and how, just how something's working, right? So even if you're an early stage product, if your product works and it has potential, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, that, you know, that said, we always look at risk. We understand kind of what happens if you're not there, what happens if you're, if you're, if you're gone in 12 months. Um, what we do is we wanna say, well, let's, find, let's see if we can find a client. Let's see if we can find a supplier. So we have pretty big relationships, deep relationship with airlines, hotels, uh, GDS, like Amadeus is a huge partner of ours. Um, and we see, can we find something where we can match your product to a need of a client, and then we can develop it that way. So you're saying you have the flexibility to sort of say, hey, we don't have to roll this out across you know, every single client all at the same time or an entire market, but we can take a small sliver and run that as a pilot? Exactly. And because we're so kind of geographically distributed, what we can do is we can say, hey, this works for this client in this region. Let's find someone across the organization to sponsor it. 
So that way we can have someone who's going to champion it and make sure it's executed globally as we, as we grow, as we, as we introduce it to a new segment. And what's the decision-making process for that, right? Like if I am a startup, how would I know who is the right person within Amex to be the champion for a particular product integration? So start with me or my team. You've got <laughs> myself or Mike Burke that's here. Um, but the reality is what we do is we kind of do, we try to assess and analyze what you're offering, see if we can find a product market fit within our client base, and then kind of we'll do some of the heavy lifting to get people on board, get people excited, introduce you to the people who are, would be operationalizing it, and kind of take it from there. We try not to put too many, uh, too many gates up front, uh, mainly because as you get towards contracting execution, that's where a lot of the hurdles typically come up. So <clears throat> from my experience, the big disconnect from uh, startups working with corporates is time. So obviously, corporates have a lot of time, and those processes often take a, a, a very long time, and startups often run out of breath. How do you ensure that um, you get the startup through that process as fast as possible? So I'm a very impatient person, and I bug people. I sit outside people's offices. I call them constantly because I know that that's, what, that's a driving force behind what we're trying to do. The other side of it is we have access to about $30 billion in travel spend, right? We have clients all over the world. So understanding also how we find the right fit, we try to work with startups to make sure that you have a little bit of time to give. We're not going to make people wait years to do this, but... You know, these processes take time depending on the level of engagement. So you're talking weeks, months, years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, go. Go ahead. Yeah, you can go. So uh, how works exactly the uh, onboarding process? Or uh, You said it takes a year first, no? When you were during the presentation... Yeah, so it took a year for a partnership um, because we had to work out a lot, of, a lot of terms and you're really doing a lot of work. If there's something that, you know, there's a product we want to sell or if there's something that we think we can offer that you have, uh, it could take a couple of months. It could take a little longer. It really depends on, on kind of where the startup is. So we have pretty strict compliance guidelines, security guidelines, data guidelines. Um, so generally, and kind of our team will, will talk you through that before we get to that point, right? Because that'll help assess of, well, maybe you're just a little bit too early because you don't have the right level of controls, and we don't want to force a decision to say, do I spend money on setting up these controls or spend money on growing my product? And do you force sometimes the startup to adapt for, for your business, to, to change their solution a little bit? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. What would a startup or most of the startups that work in your ecosystem say is your strongest value of, that Amex brings? So uh, I think I'll take, the, I'll take the acquisition example. So when we acquired KDS, uh, it was very important for us to maintain their culture. One of the big values of the team was the way they approached product development, the way they approached overall development, and their overall strategy. So it was important to us to make sure that as much as the core team that wanted to stay together was able to, uh, we were able to keep... Uh, kind of a good amount of the leadership team that wanted to remain, uh, as, as well as keep the culture and expand on it. So like we've expanded our development center in Paris based on the KDS culture and the KDS way of approaching things. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh, you know, what are the different areas that you're looking for help in uh, that are most urgent in terms of where a startup could plug in? 
Sure. Uh, we do a lot of work in, in supply optimization, so supply is a big part of our business. Uh, our team, we try, to, we try to make the big swings. Um, so when we look at innovation, we look at things that would make the customer experience better. So people call up, call us up, they interact with us on our mobile app, they, they email with us. So managing those channels uh, isn't, the, isn't the easiest. Uh, there's actually huge opportunities in meetings and events. Um, just lots of technologies that can support the overall meetings and event space, planning, execution. Um, it's hard, honestly, it's hard to pin it down, but those are probably the big ones that, that come up. I need that, yeah. <laughs> Holy grail. All right, last but not least, let's give a big round of applause for Barbara from Virtuoso. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, being here. Thanks for the Voyager team. Let me get started. So I'm Barbara Joseph. I run business development of travel agency technology at Virtuoso. A little bit about Virtuoso, because some of you probably don't know much about it. Virtuoso is the leading luxury travel consortium. We are a network of 1,000 travel agencies that specialize in luxury travel, 20,000 travel advisors, AKA travel agents, work across those agencies, and we have a curated portfolio of 1,800 preferred travel providers that all specialize in luxury travel products. Yes, it says travel advisors. A little bit about why I get, why you might be thinking, do travel advisors still exist? I will just touch on that for a bit. I know in the 90s with the tech revolution, OTAs and direct booking seem to be making travel agents extinct. That was the that was the concept we were thinking. And the prediction, we understand. All the uh, outlets were talking about it. And the DIY traveler was born. They could do the work at no cost themselves. But we know human order takers are a thing of the past, but that's only half the story. Technology has created even stronger desire for human connection and content creation. Even my girl, Brene, says it. Expanding technology creates a deeper desire for human connection. So travel advisors, travel agents, really dug deep and transcended digital by understanding what their values are. And we have boiled it down at Virtuoso to five main things. Collaboration and personalized planning, global expertise and connections, value for the money, VIP treatment, and peace of mind. Hence, since the 90s, a new breed of travel advisors have emerged, and we're seeing steady growth across the travel agent landscape. We've seen 434% growth since 2003, and we're expecting even more growth in the next couple of years, at least. Within Virtuoso, again, those 20,000 travel advisors that are now part of our network, uh, we've seen we've doubled in just the past five years in the amount of travel advisors. They've done $26.4 billion in annual sales. Again, this is luxury travel, so we have travelers that are extremely affluent, and more and more of them are getting younger and younger. 30% of millennials plan to use a travel advisor. So travel advisors did thrive in the digital age, and that is partially because of technology, plus data and social media. But that technology part is what we want to continue to grow, hence the Virtuoso Incubator program we have. Our CEO likes to say we want to automate the predictable, 
so you can humanize the exceptional. That's Matthew Upchurch up there. So the program, we are the first formal program among the travel consortia to have such a program where we're cultivating new technology tools. We really want to open our arms to founders. We want to welcome you, and especially those that are willing to investigate whether their solution can be advisor-focused technology solutions. So we allow you to tap into our network of travel advisors, have them give you real-time feedback through testing in a pilot program that we facilitate facilitate for you over the course of every calendar year. The benefits we want to make sure you get through the program. First, we want to make sure you can leverage insider expertise by developing your technology alongside travel advisors through this pilot program. They'll help you identify problems and iterate your product with professional insights because they know the spectrum of travel styles and how to best serve their community and create a better solution and better travel experience. That you will understand the role of intermediaries because if your technology can either support the ability for them to match inventory between uh, for, to the best traveler or maybe facilitate the sometimes really arduous interaction with suppliers and very manual, and um, also the possibility that your technology can provide an even higher touch for VIP experiences for high ticket items. Next, we'll make sure you have an education on the legacy systems, learning about the GDSs, learning about the back offices uh, systems that the industry uses, and what integra integrations might be pertinent to you, plus the possibility for lead generation if we bring you on as a partner, which we will assess at the end of the program. Some success stories are here in the room, um, but these are all tech technology companies that really listened to advisor feedback and molded their solution to better fit the travel advisor community. This was their feedback that it really helped with their relationship building and uh, helped iterate their product. If this sounds like a good fit, if uh, I think this area is very much ready for disruption and we're ready to do it with you, please visit our website, virtualsa.com slash incubator, or you can email me. And with that, thank you very much. So from the success stories you showed, um, can you talk about one where particularly some of those benefits that you're offering led to the success? You have a good number. Yeah, sure. Uh, we have seen, there's actually a few that um, all specialize in and, and their solution is itinerary management software. And at Virtuoso, we have found that has kind of been um, our most revolutionary startup concept to come through the incubator program, simply by travel advisors not using Microsoft Word um, for itinerary building and being able to automate so much of um, what they've already booked in the GDS, what client information they already put in client base or some of their back office CRM systems, and bringing that into a, um, a digital format, being able to have that in an app for uh, the right traveler, in a mobile-friendly website for the right traveler, or print it in a PDF, which is also very important for the travel advisor to offer the traveler. That has been probably our biggest success story. Um, in some cases, um, one of our partners um, had 49% growth in just one year after becoming a partner within our network in, in terms of their client base. Um, so that has been our biggest success story. So <clears throat> how long does the uh, incubator take? And uh, do you take some equity? 
Do we, what was the second part? If you take some equity from... Uh, some equity. Oh, um, so the first uh, answer is we do it over every calendar year. So we typically uh, have a deadline around December 15th of every given year, and we'll um, make decisions in the beginning of the new year and start to kick off the beta testing with the travel advisors soon thereafter, and then we'll wrap it up at the end of the calendar year. Um, do we expect equity? No. Um, there is a participation fee to be part of the incubator program, of $2,500, that's at least the price it was this year. Or in lieu of that, um, we do offer an exclusivity clause. Um, if you do become a partner, a preferred partner, um, that you would be exclusive to Virtuoso as that role, because that's a pretty common terminology among the consortia, just with Virtuoso for a two-year period after that. That's a little confusing, but I can clarify that later, too. Is there a particular area where you're seeing the travel agents need the most support or help right now that maybe there are some startups out there that make Great. sense? Great, yeah. Generally, what we try to focus on is any advisor-focused tech solutions that will help with an advisor's productivity or their client servicing ability on the on general scale. Um, and we recently did some market research. And honestly, um, the, uh, the, one of the things I'm really going to start looking at is alternative CRM systems. Um, they're really not happy with legacy systems. And that is something um, that we're going to try to look for alternatives for. Um, is there a typical stage of startup that you prefer to work with, since it seems like it, it's such a collaborative uh, program, right? Yeah. You kind of almost want an earlier stage startup that, that can use your, uh, you know, travel advisors as sort of uh, test subjects and as exactly. the, the user experience testing pool. Yeah, we really we'll start early and we'll start late. Um, so yeah, we will really uh, work with with anyone as long as um, it has been launched um, and and we can see it in its launch date. That's uh, that's what we're hoping for. So this year's uh, incubator started already. Yes. Uh, so what is your favorite startup in there? Oh, <laughs> it's really hard because there's three of the four in the room. So I'm not going to answer that actually. Um, but uh, but I will call them out because I'm allowed to do that. But we have Scion in the room here. We have woo. We have Trips.app in the room here. Um, Amadri is part of Voyager, but not in the room. And, oh, why am I blanking? Huh? Group Desk. Group de uh, Janice from Group Desk was here, but Group Desk was also in the room okay, earlier. Great. Thank you. Startups are always encouraged to measure their success. What are some of the metrics that you use um, from your perspective to stay successful? In the incubator program or afterwards? Both. Okay. During the incubator program, for us, the metric we use is uh, the travel advisor feedback. That's primarily what we use. We have um, we facilitate during the program coinciding product feedback surveys. So that, um, and we use uh, we kind of measure each survey as it goes through against each other to see if there's progress. Um, and then after the fact, it's um, also um, the feedback. We usually do an annual evaluation of all of our partners anyway, whether they be hotel partners, cruise partners, or technology partners. So um, so we'll do that annual evaluation as well as um, adoption. We'll just, uh, we usually ask for reporting on, on whether um, our advisors are picking up those solutions um, and just measure the success based on adoption. 
One of the questions from the audience is, do you expect travel agents to keep growing? Um, and how are you guys doing you know, a better job of getting new agents kind of coming through the Virtuoso Absolutely, network? yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, uh, I do expect it to keep growing. I think that desire for human connection, um, you know, inevitably just people are feeling, travelers are feeling more and more burned by DIYing travel planning on the internet. So I think that um, will continue to be uh, relevant for budget to luxury travelers and across all ages. I think it'll become more and more relevant. What we're doing at Virtuoso is we're just making sure we have resources that if someone's going to be an independent contractor with a host travel agency, that they feel just as um, informed on destination content and have just as many resources to become successful quickly um, so that uh, this is a viable profession. So we do a lot of work on that front. Any other questions? So maybe one more from the audience. Yeah. Do you expect travel agents to keep growing? Yes. <laughs> what, um, up, up, up. What's, the, uh, what's the average age of a new travel agent entering the market today? Ooh. I don't have that stat. What would you like it to be? What would I like it to be? That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised by who the technology adopters are um, across our travel aid, uh, advisor network. So I can't even say I'd like them to be average of 30. Um, I just want them to have uh, an open mind, and uh, and they are hungry for this. We get a lot of organic interest when we put our call out for beta testers. And every year um, when I, I survey those people who did beta test, um, we've, had, we've had over 300 advisors um, uh, beta test in just the last four years. And um, whenever I survey them, 100% of them have said they would come back and beta test again. So they, they like the product, they like the program, but I think most importantly, they love innovation. And, and I think that's a misnomer when people don't think that they do. Right. Oh, wow, great job. Can we get a round of applause for our panelists, our judges? So we will be giving the program's feedback from the, from the startup's perspective, but there is no winner here because we're all winners when enterprise companies in the travel space are investing back into innovation and startups in this community. So please give all the participants a round of applause once more, Barbara, Gabe, Please, and of course, wait, wow, Alix, thank you. This has been Travel is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.